Episode 306 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm editor Kirk Seminoff. This is one of the best times of the year at the Wichita Business Journal. It's 40 under 40 week, where we introduce in the paper and online our 2023 class of 40 under 40 selections. That's 40 Wichita professionals all under the age of 40 who we think are going to be difference makers as they continue to progress in their careers. I'll talk with exactly 5% of this year's honorees, Cargill's Victor Ojolet and Franklin Law Office's Christy Campbell in this week's podcast. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story, as mentioned before, is our 40 under 40 class. The WBJ has been naming 40 under 40 classes since 1998. So this is our 26th class. And if you do the math, that means we're starting our second thousand honorees in this week's paper. From Alexander to White, learn about these young professionals and see what makes them tick. This year's 40 under 40 begins on page 11. This week we have two lists, private golf courses and public golf courses. See which of the private clubs have the toughest layouts in the USGA's eyes and see which public courses got the most traffic in 2022. The lists are on page eight. This month, our Young Professionals series looks at rising professionals in professional services. Meet these standouts beginning on page 54. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lean section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 61. It's big paper this week. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. One of this year's 40 under 40 honorees is Victor Ojale of Cargill Protein Group. He's the group FP and A planning and reporting manager, and he's going to explain what that means because I have no idea. Victor, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Kirk. Glad to be what here. what do you do at Cargill Cargill? Yeah, so in simple terms, I help us predict the future. Um, and and my team, um, which I'm very blessed to lead. Um, we work with the business teams and we help them understand their performance. We help them understand the market and their customers and help to um, forecast, plan and budget so that we can deliver on our on our targets for Cargill. I see. OK. And you've been at Cargill more than five years now and you were at Coke before that. So my first question is, why Wichita? Why did you decide to make Wichita your home and uh, why have you stayed for so long now? Yeah, so um, I have a unique Wichita story. I actually moved to Wichita after K-State, and my first job was working at Coke Industries. And so the first three and a half years of my career were in Wichita. And then for me, my personal journey took me to um, getting my master's degree, which required me to go full time and move to Chicago. Um, and then I also moved to Portland during that time and eventually joined Cargill after graduating in Minneapolis. And so during the, the time when I'd moved away and found um, new opportunities, Cargill had a role that opened back up in, in Wichita. And I knew of Cargill when I was here, but 
um, getting a way, um, getting an opportunity to um, kind of come back around full circle um, was not in the plan, but I was really grateful because I had a why. I was from Wichita area. I was from Kansas. My family was now two hours away versus a flight. And then the role certainly made sense. So I was very grateful to join um, Cargill Protein Group. And um, it's been four years now in April. Mm -hmm. For those folks who are not familiar with you, tell your story in, you know, 500 words or less. You're from Ottawa, Kansas originally. Yes. Yeah, I'm from Ottawa, Kansas. My mom and dad are doctors um, who immigrated here um, in the early 90s. Um, I, I came here with uh, my mom and sister on a visa program and uh, education has been a big part of our lives. And so um, grew up in Ottawa, Kansas, played sports, uh, went to K-State, um, studied accounting and finance and, um, you know, have been really grateful to be involved in the community, which is a big part of my uh, my passion to give back um, because I've been so fortunate, as I said, um, with the 40 under 40 to just have a life in America and, and make really what we call as a family, the American dream come true for us. Mm-hmm. You say you played sports at K-State. Folks might not know. You were a college basketball player for four years. You went to an Elite Eight, and I'm not sure how many NCAA tournaments, but you had a really successful career, and so was K-State at that point. Um, I'm always interested in talking with Division One athletes about what a college sports experience means to you once you get into, let's say, the real world, the, the business world. Yeah, um, I, I'm very grateful for the investment that I um, received from my coaches and the people on campus during that time at K-State. Um, it really taught me a lot. I had great teammates, great fans behind us, great experiences like going to Hawaii for the Diamond Head Classic. Um, and those are just fun times. But being a student athlete, as you know, is a huge commitment. And so I was really focused on my career after basketball. I wasn't the the highest scorer or the, you know, the big name guy, Jacob Pullen, and those guys had that job. But I knew that um, if I put in the work in the classroom, focused with my tutors and did my best when I had opportunities, um, my future would, um, you know, be focused in, you know, working um, in the corporate world. And, and so I take a lot of those lessons in addition to getting the honor of being a team captain and having leadership opportunities early um, and continuously in life. And then my coaches also um, really did a lot of things that I, I looked at and observed around how to lead and how to impact and how to discipline and, and how to, you know, really be, be people who, who made us ready for our futures in life. Mm -hmm. And you probably didn't have the normal, you know, college basketball path. You were off doing internships in the summer and, and, and really building a career long before you got your diploma, right? Yes. Yeah. It it was a trade-off. I remember my junior summer and I told coach Martin, I said, Hey, look, the summer workout, um, I'm going to be a junior and, um, and, I'm going to do the workout by myself, print off the sheets for me, but I have to have an internship, you know? And so in the classroom, I was trying to make sure that those things were moving while um, basketball was moving. And and sometimes you do have two good values or two good things and you have to make decisions between the two. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think it paid off and um, I'm very grateful for, for where I am today. One of those internships was at Coke Industries here in Wichita. And then did, did Coke hire you out of college? Yes, Coke hired me out of college into a finance rotational program, and it's where they put you in a role for um, six to 12 months at a time to learn parts of the business. And so I did um, 
two of those. Um, it was unique. I spent two years in my second rotation before um, going to business school, but um, it, it was a great opportunity. And then my internship also had given me good connections prior to uh, working full time. Mm -hmm. Why the decision at some point to go for your MBA where you do have to pick up and move to Chicago? Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I I had some tough conversations with my mom and dad. Um, and the reason was my mom and dad are doctors. My sister is a, in medical and I've seen all of my family get advanced degrees. And so I, I was trying to really live up to that standard to say, hey, how can I continue to grow? Um, meanwhile, it was my first job out of college. And I was like, the trade off is not having a job. It was new territory. Um, but another advisor for me was uh, Mark Susi, my my mentor at Coke. And he he planted a seed that said, you know, if you do want to get an MBA, don't leave too early because you do need some work experience before you go to a top program. And he inspired me to know and believe that I could potentially go to a top program like Booth or Harvard. And so um, I started through the process. I had conversations with him. I applied to Harvard, Stanford, Texas, Booth, and I didn't get into Harvard. I didn't get into Stanford. I got into Booth and I was waitlisted at Texas and that was my sign. Right. And so, you know, you go through that process and then you let your manager know. And I said it was going to be full time and, and I was going to be leaving, but I didn't know what the future was. But my life is often been uh, kind of shifting focus, going into new environments and trying to kind of reestablish. Um, you know, I moved maybe five or six times over the last 10 years because of Cargill and Coke and MBA and traveling with work and so an internship in Portland. So um, I've kind of had to always adapt, but um, I was grateful that I made that leap. Um, and um, here we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, where does that come from that you're able to adapt and you're willing to take on new things? Is that something your parents taught you or is that just something that you've always had? Um, I, I look at my parents a lot. I mean, my dad left um, Nigeria when I was born. Um, yeah, I think I was two years old and he was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to the U.S. I'm going to go study and, and restart my medical education and certification in the United States. So he did that whole process twice. And so he he moved and he was he was really the pioneer and, and us seeing him do that and then coming here and, and seeing how he tried to, you know, make ends meet and while trying to get his family to America was just so inspiring. And then my mom as well, you know, you know doing the same thing with um, her nursing and, and coming here to the U.S. and taking care of my sister and I. And so, you know, I think there's some risk to to be to be um, taken. Um, we we often call it as a calculated risk, but. Um, you know, I'm a very big planner. I like to plan things out, um, but I'm really grateful for, um, you know, the people around me, because when you have a new environment, you you fall back on the things that are familiar, family, mentors, your values, your faith. Mm -hmm. We always joke that when young Kansans go and experience something in, in bigger cities or other areas of the country, we worry that they're going to stay there and never come back to Kansas. Uh, mm. The brain drain, I guess, is what we is the short term for it. Uh, was there ever a thought that, hey, I really like Chicago or, or Portland is kind of a cool area? Yeah, I I love those cities, um, partly because Chicago was a place my dad used to take us as kids. We used to vacation and go to the Shedd Aquarium and magnificent mile. But, um, you know, as I've traveled, I've, I've been to Portland and Chicago and Minneapolis and um, Cargill has taken me to um, Brazil. I've worked in Latin America. 
all these large cities, there's nothing like home. And and the older I get, um, I, I start to realize that proximity is important, but those experiences are also valuable because they help you understand that America and the U.S. is not the only, um, you know, center. We're not, the world doesn't revolve around us. And so you get to learn around those other cultures and see what they value and how they operate. And and so being back in Wichita, kind of back to your first question, it has been about, you know, really coming back to where, you know, I feel most grounded around my family and friends. And, um, you know, then knowing that you can always take a trip on the weekend to those cities. Um, but um, home is home. Um, and I think, you know, depending on where my career takes me, um, you know, I might work remotely, you know, in the future for Cargill, right? And, you know, expat assignments or, you know, your home base looks different today. So um, that's to be seen, but I, I'm grateful for Wichita and have embraced it since I've been back the last four years. And that's kind of an understatement because my next question was <laughs> about the volunteerism that you are involved in, the mentorships that you do here in Wichita, your involvement with the chamber where you're, I believe you're going to be you're kind of in line to be the chamber president here in, a, in two or three years. Um, why is that important to you to to not just do a job and enjoy life without without service? Yeah, um, you know, I I think back to um, you know really my core values again, and and the photo that I chose for forty under forty was a photo of my grandfather who passed um, last year. Um, he he really is the model that shaped who my mother is and who I see my mother is, is someone who's a servant and a, a giver. So service and giving back is something that I've always seen and been grateful to um, be, um, you know, a product of that, right? My mom and dad invested in me and my family and friends. And so um, when I think about Wichita, um, and not that I wasn't able to do this in Minneapolis, but um, since I've gotten back, I've, I've, just felt the calling to be able to feel connected to where I live by giving back. And because I've been given so much, um, I feel it's, it's like a duty. And it also just gives me, um, you know, a lot of um, satisfaction to see others do well. I kind of call it the idea of all boats rising, whether it's uh, diversity under uh, represented groups. Um, and I also think that there's a, there's a notion of knowing that you have, um, you know, not so much time, but, um, you know, you, you, you've got to prioritize, like, you've got to do well at work. I've also got to do some things that, you know, are, you know, personal things that make me happy. But um, I, I think I, I really find um, joy in, in being connected. And the chamber has taught me so many things I wouldn't get elsewhere, right? I feel like there's so many things you learn working with the chamber board that you can't get on the job. And so I feel like, it's actually been a little uncomfortable, right? I've, I've gotten to work with talent and leadership and community issues that um, I can actually translate those things I'm learning into my work. And so I'm on this kind of uncomfortable, slightly uncomfortable um, personal development like path. And, and I really also love that as well. Um, do you, last question, do you like Wichita's path? Is that part of the reason why you remain in Wichita? Um, that, that, we are a city that's not a big city, but we're a, a big little city or little big. Uh, and, and we're choosing how we grow. And do you like our growth? I love Wichita's trajectory. I think that there are people here who care. There are people here who are great people who are working um, for something that means um, a lot to them. So um, the Midwest values and 
the resources we have here are are really really unique. Um, as I said, we can we can drive a few hours to Oklahoma City. We can drive to Kansas City. But I I believe that the trajectory of not only um, being able to um, find a home and have a good cost of living and the universities and the uh, education landscape um, and and arts and entertainment. I think um, you look at the riverfront, you look at um, the companies we're attracting here in economic development. Um, yes, we have challenges in you know affordable housing or you know the the different challenges that any community has. But I feel like we have a, a group of people that I've been exposed to. Um, uh, around the chamber and also just even at Cargill with the Cargill Food Bank that care about those issues and are all working slowly to make progress on them. And I, I would put a plug in for the Kansas Leadership Center, which I also love working with. They say, hey, when we all lead in our spaces, we can make progress on these most important challenges. And so we're all doing a little bit of our part. And I love the fact that Woodshaw is a, is a city that cares about its future and, and becoming a great city. Well, we're glad that you are here. We hope you stay a long time. And I know we were talking off air that you're you're doing a bit of house hunting. So that's a great sign. So, Victor, <laughs> thanks so much for joining me. And uh, congratulations on the 40 under 40 this year. Thank you, Kirk. I'm so grateful. Christy Campbell is one of our 40 under 40 honorees this year. She is an attorney at Franklin Law Office here in Wichita. And she distinguished herself at the 40 under 40 photo shoot by wearing chucks to the photo shoot and for that we recognize her as a <laughs> superior 40 under 40. Welcome to the podcast. Hi I'm glad to be here. Thanks for being here. Okay so the first question I want to ask and I've been asking other 40 under 40s is the why of Wichita for you. Uh, why are you here? You're not from here and I'm going to ask you about your background here in a minute but why Wichita for you? So, okay. So, uh, so I grew up in Kansas city. I grew up in, oh, like 85th and Troost. And if you don't know where Troost is, you probably know where Paseo is and not real great, but definitely probably urban. Let's call it that. So I did my undergrad at Northwest Missouri state and I wanted the more rural side of things. And that turned into me spending my last semester in DC and then spending my Last year, trying to figure out, do I go to law school or do I go to graduate school of international studies in Denver? Because I was going to go save the world, right? Like this was my, I'm going to go save the world. I've took, taken all of this French. I'm going to go save the world. That's what I'm doing. Uh, and so I was sitting there trying to decide like law school or graduate school. And I'm like, well, they're both about the same amount. One of them is a year longer. So let's go with that one because I don't know what I want to do with my life. So I uh, went to law school. And I graduated from law school right as the bottom was dropping out of everything and right before the recession in 2008. And so I was one of the last people that was hired at Kansas Legal Services in Wichita. There were two openings, I think, at that point, one in Dodge City and one in Wichita. And no offense to Dodge. Dodge is very entertaining. Uh, but I decided that Wichita, my husband and I at the time, it was the place that we could both get jobs. Mm -hmm. And we both moved here. And it's funny because when I when I got divorced, my parents were like, oh, so now you're coming home to Kansas City. And I said, why the hell would I do that? <laughs> that doesn't sound like so I it's funny to me because every time I go volunteer and people are like, oh, you're not from here. Why are you here? And I'm like, I <laughs> and then I just start listing off places. And I'm like, because of all of the I I'm a firm believer of 
participate where you live. And a lot of people do not do that. And so I think they miss out. I mean, it's, it's like anything, right? So you live here, so you don't go to exploration place because you, you know, you've always seen it. You always been there. Why would you go again? You went as a kid. Why would you go as an adult? And I think moving to a new place as an adult, you get the opportunity to look at it with fresh eyes and you get to look at it and say, this is where I'm going to live. I'm going to make the most of it. I mean, I made the most of Topeka and people hate Topeka, hate, (laughs) hate it. I still, I, I, I like top city. It's, it's not, you know, where I want to spend the rest of my life, but it's not bad. So <laughs> that's, I guess the why of which I, I think Wichita is great. Great. Uh, you came here in roughly 2008, I think. And then you've been here 15 years ever since. Do you, are you so rooted in Wichita that you're going to be here for the long term? Oh goodness. Yes. Um, it's funny. Cause once you start at, I think when I started legal aid, I kept thinking, oh, I'll transfer to Kansas City. I'll transfer somewhere else. And instead, I just kept getting more and more involved with the Wichita Bar. I kept getting involved with young lawyers because that's that's the real problem. I feel like when you move to Wichita and you don't have family here, you say, "Okay, I have to take my car to the shop. Right. Like who is going to give me a ride to my car? And so I started doing dinner parties with random people. And I would invite the new baby lawyers that uh, had nobody else. And I'd say, hey, now you have a face and you have my phone number. So when you need someone to drive you to the emergency room or drive you to go get your car or to take you to your car after a night out in Old Town, you can call me and I will be your friend, you know, that you can go. Because otherwise, I mean, you'd have to like call your parents or something. And if you don't have those connections here, it's just hard to build a foundation. So I... I started doing that and kind of never looked back. And so now I kind of, I don't know, I've, I've built a community that now my husband and I go out and everywhere we go, uh, the police officer who was helping him write his report uh, for something uh, said, hey, and I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, do you know everyone? Like, it, can we go anywhere? Like the, the police officer in our front yard, you, you know, the police officer in our front yard. And I'm like, it's Wichita. It's like five degrees of Wichita. It's not even. So it's I I really, really like Wichita. And after being here 15 years, I think. I don't know. I, I really don't plan on ever leaving at this point. I have kids here. I have stepkids here. Uh, I'm I've got a business here now. I have owned what? One, two, three, four houses here. It's I just keep moving from neighborhood to neighborhood. So I I think I'm invested at this point. Excellent. Let's back up one step. What got you interested in the law as a youngster, let's say? Oh, Lord. Um, so I was taking a lot of I was taking a lot of history classes and I was taking a lot of um, world history classes specifically. And I kind of fell into poli sci. I tried to take business classes and I said, oh, no, 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 no. I took international business and said, but they don't have water. Why do they need cell phones? And so that's kind of where I left that. Um, I did a lot of (laughs) volunteering with a lot of, um, I don't know, like students for free to bet and all of the amnesty, all the stuff you do in college. Right. And you just kind of do all the crazy and you have a lot of conversations with the with the. army guys that are sitting at the table next to you trying to recruit. And so you have a lot of entertaining. And so I was really into international studies. I did a lot of my core classes were in those issues. And I finally, one of my teachers was a lawyer 
And he said, you know, you really should look into this. And I said, I don't really, hmm, I don't think standing in front of people and arguing is my thing. And he's like, no, I think, I think it is. So I, and one of my other professors was just like, no, no, just keep writing these history papers and we'll get them all published. I'm like, that sounds like a terrible, terrible plan. I don't want to do that. So I I literally, I was like, I want to save the world. This was my plan. And so I wanted to go to graduate school of international studies in Denver. And I was going to go do their international program where you go work for an NGO and go do some, you know, big world picture. And I started working, I went to law school and I'm like, well, if you go to law school and you don't like it, you can always do something with a law degree. You don't have to, you don't have to be a lawyer if you don't like it. And so I spent my first summer traveling across Europe and said to hell with all this. And my second summer I split at legal aid and the public defender's appellate office in Kansas city. And I could not I couldn't do it. <laughs> the appellate office was like, they were writing, they were doing all that fun stuff. And I just, it was like belaboring the point to death and I just could not do it. And so I spent the rest of my summer at legal aid and I was hooked because I had these great ambitions of I'm going to go do big world things. And then it occurred to me as I was doing domestic violence and protection from abuse dockets in Topeka that all of those problems are pretty much here too. And we can fix on a you know much smaller scale. So poverty is kind of an issue anywhere you go. So I kind of took it from there and I was like, well, I guess maybe we will do this. And so after about five years of impromptu trials, because that's how <laughs> uh, God bless the public defender's office and legal aid, because that's exactly how they uh, get you. It's just like mm-hmm. swim, swim, go. <laughs> so but I mean, it it works. And so after a while, though, everything comes to second nature. So I don't know that that's a good reason as to why I ended up in the law, but it's kind of the <laughs> it's the path there, I guess. And you developed a passion for it. I, I imagine over 15 years it that it has become just part of your life and you really feel it, I guess. Right. That's totally true. Yep. That's it's something that you it's. You, you understand a lot more why uh, people care so much about those writings in D.C. and all of those rights and things that people care about. So, yeah. Right. So after 15 years at Kansas Legal Services or around there, you you got into uh, joined Franklin Law Office. And it's for those who don't know, it's a it's an office of three women attorneys. And why that opportunity and why take that opportunity? Oh, because kids are real expensive. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Um, I, at that point I had been, I jumped from domestic violence stuff to landlord tenant to foreclosure. And I went to my boss and said, I can't do this anymore. This is, it's gonna, it's gonna, I'm going to get burned out. Can't do this. Uh, cause there's something about taking away people's right to their house that just, it's one of those core needs and it just, oh, it beat you down. So I went to her and she said, I think we have a position for you. So that's when I had started doing the statewide pro bono director job. And so I was traveling around the state, getting all bunches of people uh, from bars and and the bench to do expungement clinics and educate people on clearing their slates so they don't have to report things, which probably isn't real great for employees. But I mean, as Coke will tell you, if you're going to hire them at the beginning and it's something you ask at the end and it wouldn't change your mind, then does it matter? So uh, they've been a fantastic partner in all of that. And they are, I, the Coke attorneys are some of the best people in the world. They are the smartest, the brightest, and they just, they, they are the best people. I have nothing bad to say. So they were amazing in that respect, but 
I had a kid, so the pandemic hit and <laughs> I found myself, I was originally going to quit because the lawyers in town do this thing called a bar show and it's where a bunch of lawyers get on stage and sing and dance. And so I was like, oh, I'll quit after the bar show, you know, all this will be great. And then the pandemic hit and it occurred to me because that canceled the bar show that canceled everything. And it occurred to me that I need insurance. And so I stayed with legal aid for another year, which I love legal aid again, nothing bad to say. So uh, about a year later, I went back to Joni Franklin, who has been a mentor, been a friend. And I said, okay, I think I'm ready. And she's like, you've been saying you're ready for like five years. And I'm like, I, it takes me a while. And so I should mention at this point, I'd had my student loans forgiven. I'm like part of the 1% that got that thing. So I got all my student loans forgiven. And I said, it's time to do it. We're going to do this. We're, we're leaping. And so it took me another probably four months to actually make the jump. And so since then, she's been kind of mentoring me on how to do all this fun stuff and self-employment. And because we're all kind of of counsel over here, which means for those that are not in the legal business, we kind of do our own thing, but we all hook up at the end. That's not a real great explanation of that. But so, um, but she's been kind of mentoring me on, you know, all of the fun stuff that you don't have because legal aid doesn't, can't afford all of the expensive fun tools. So it's been playing a little bit of catch up, but uh, ultimately kids are real expensive, but it's been, I have learned more probably in the last two years than I have in the five to 10 before that. So it's been a fantastic experience and I, like I said, every month something, I'm like, don't do that again, idiot. What are you doing? No, don't do that. So you learn something every month that it just, it's just different. It's just not a bad thing though. And you probably didn't have, you weren't probably weren't thrown in the pool and told to swim this time. <laughs> no, no. Um, this, I mean, cause at this point I've been doing family law off and on for 15 years. So I don't want to say I can do it with my eyes closed, but it, you start to learn and it's, you start. I mean, I'm a stepmom. I've been divorced. I can sit there and I have my, my, you know, whenever they're like, you don't understand. And I'm like, oh, I understand. I have, I have a kid. I have childcare. I have stepkids. I am the evil stepmother. I, uh, I have, you know, bonus kids that I love. I have my own child. I understand what that struggle is. I understand getting divorced. Um, I'm not going to say that it's going to be easy, but this will be a year of transformation. So I've been doing a lot of that, trying to work my way into some surrogacy stuff because that's a little bit more warm, fuzzy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not that divorce is a downer, but um, when you give people sage as they leave your office, I feel like they're probably, <laughs> it's probably not something that's lifting you up, but it's an important thing. And like I tell people, nobody comes to see me because they're having a great day. Right. <laughs> so, but it's necessary. And I like to think that I've been there. I know how you're feeling. It's not... It's not that this is going to be the worst year of your life, but you're going to grow from this, whether you want to or not. So, but yeah, no, it's, it's been family law is, is its own thing. It's, it really puts into your mind when they say counselors a lot, that's, I think a hundred percent they're talking about family law lawyers. Mm -hmm. Well, and okay. I want to explain for those who have never applied for 40 under 40, we ask applicants for nominees to give us their life stories. And so in going through your life story and that when you applied and looking at, at, as we prepared for this podcast, I see employment, I see volunteerism, I see service, I see awards. And then at the bottom, I see member of men's scrapbooking club, which is and in parentheses, it says absurdist comedy troupe. 
And so how do I not ask about the men's scrapbooking club? So it, it's funny. It's funny. It's, it's, my husband thought that I was leaving every Monday night to go scrapbook with a bunch of dudes. And I, I looked at him after he said, he's like, yeah, it wasn't until like a year and a half into this that I was like, oh, you're putting on a show. This isn't, I thought, oh, okay. And I'm like, what did you think we were doing? He's like, I thought you were going to scrapbook with a bunch of dudes. Like I thought he's like, you're a crafty person. Like you quilt and stuff. I thought this was just you sharing, you know, like, and I'm like no, no, like, no. So this men's scrapbooking club um, has had many ringleaders, Tim Rogers being uh, the most guilty of them. And he works for Northwestern Mutual here in town. And so he, I have insurance and stuff through them. And he had touched base with me about updating some stuff. And so we went out and he's like, hey, I think you should really meet these guys I hang out with. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? And he's like, no, no, no. So he called me and he's like, no, no, no. I think you should come meet us. We're, we're doing a show at Harvester Arts and we're this group. And I'm like, who, who is this? And he's like, we call ourselves the MSC, the Men's Scrapbooking Club. And I'm like, okay. All right, sure, 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 sure. So he's like, no, no, we're doing a new show. And the whole premise of it is that we need a woman because our marketing person has told us that we are not um, we're not friendly to females. So we need a woman. So the whole premise is going to be you come in and we all think you're a dude because it, it more shocking to anyone that I'm married to a man is that I am in the men's scrapbooking club. So he's like, we're going to pretend that you are um, we're going to think that you're a dude and we're going to have all these guys coming in cross-dressing and we're going to think they're actual ladies. And so we're going to bring you on because everybody seems to think that you're ambiguous. And so when you come out as a girl, then it's going to make a lot more sense at the end. And I'm like, I mean, okay, I'm not running for judge or anything. Why not? Let's, let's do this. Let's, so it's, we, we've done shows and I can't, it's, the first one was involved me playing a flute and we all wear white shirts with black ties and chucks and we do some of it's improv, uh, some of it is sketch comedy and it's, it's absurdist. Uh, we did an art exhibit um, down on Commerce Street where we built an entire thing and took it down within three hours and it's funny because these guys kept coming up saying I haven't seen this except done in Italy and all these other places and I'm like see we're bringing it we're cool we're hip I don't know mostly they are the most eclectic people you will ever it's funny because they say I am the most normal member of them but I am the oddest lawyer so it's kind of uh it's a good release. We get together. We do impromptu shows uh, because we, you know, they'll email and say, Hey, yeah, they want us to do a skit next Thursday. Everybody want to get together on Friday for 10 minutes and brainstorm. And it's Tim Rogers' fault. That's all I have to say. So it's, it, they came from WSU. They have a long history of harassing people and upsetting generally people and making puppets. It's you're, just, so you're along for the ride. I'm just here. I'm just inner. It's they're the best people and uh, they are the most entertaining by far. So it's it's I hope everybody finds their men's scrapbooking club because they're pretty fantastic and entertaining. They're entertaining, if not in a totally weird way, in a funny way. So 
You do bring up a good point, though. If you were ever to run for, a, you know, like a district court judge or office <laughs> in any way, you we, we can just get it out of the way right now. Have you ever yeah. done anything that's on video that will cost you an election? Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, there there have been talks about this, in fact, because they wanted to start a podcast. And I said, I don't think that's a good I don't Guys, guys, <laughs> I don't like half of what we do is already weird. I feel like maybe. Oh, I don't know. I feel like this. <laughs> So yeah, no, uh-huh. It's it's all out there now. It's somewhere on the internet. So have at friends, have at. So men's scrapbooking club, everyone, if you want to go take a look. <laughs> but Christy Gamble, <laughs> thanks so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking with you and congratulations on the 40 under 40 honor. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 306. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. This Talk with Bill Roy is a production of Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.